0: Piles of plastic waste often end up buried underground or dumped in oceans, harming wildlife and the environment. With Earth Day approaching, we're discussing a new way to recycle, turning loads of plastics into useful chemicals and fuels. That's next on this episode of Technology Today. We live with technology, science, engineering, and the results of innovative research every day. Now, let's understand it better. You're listening to the Technology Today podcast presented by Southwest Research Institute. Hello, and welcome to Technology Today. I'm Lisa Pena. Earth Day is April 22nd, and this month we're learning about an SWRI program aimed at protecting the planet from loads of plastic waste. Some estimates suggest billions of tons of plastic waste are piled up in landfills and oceans. Our guest today is SWRI chemical engineer Eloy Flores. His team is using a process known as pyrolysis to break down plastic waste and turn it into an oil, recycling it for fuels and other useful chemicals. They're also helping big companies enter a new era in plastics recycling. Thank you for joining us, Eloy.
1: Well, Thank you, Lisa.
0: So let's start at the beginning. For years, much of the United States plastic waste that wasn't sent to a landfill or recycled was actually shipped out of the country. Where did it go and how was it disposed
1: of? Well, like you said, Lisa, most of the recycled plastics are actually sent overseas and not handled within the United States. And where they're ending up, unfortunately, is in in the oceans due to mismanagement on the end of the, the end receivers of our recycled plastics. But I guess more importantly, you know, 75% of the US plastics that we that we put in our recycle bins ends up in landfills. So um, even if you have a recycle bin at home and you put that on the curve, you can expect most of it will end up in a landfill.
0: That's disappointing because we put things out on the curb thinking they're going to be recycled in the hopes that we're doing something good. But how do they determine which items go into recycling and which end up in the landfill? or why do some of our recyclables end up in a landfill?
1: Well, mostly it comes down to you know, economics and the ability to sort the materials uh, to make the recycling process efficient. And because you know that that technology has not really um, well, the the process of sorting hasn't really gotten to the point where it's very efficient or economical to sort the, the plastics and, and recycle them. Most of them do just end up in the last in the landfill. Um, so until there's more advances in that or technologies that can take mixed plastics or mixed waste plastics, so you avoid the sorting altogether, you take those mixed mixed plastics and then recycle them, uh, those type of technologies are what is needed to help us avoid either landfilling or shipping our recycled plastics um, overseas.
0: What is a mixed plastic?
1: So mixed plastic is just everything you throw into your uh, recycle bin. All of that material, there's there's different types of plastics and each each type of plastic, like a bottle or a, a film that's maybe part of a package you use that you heat up in your microwave, all of those things are different types of plastics, and recycling is very difficult when you have these mixed plastics because they all have different types of properties. and trying to take those different properties and combine them into something that can can be recycled is very difficult. So um, this is where again, a technology that can take mixed plastics, you know this just stuff almost straight out of your your uh, recycle bin and converting that back into plastics or or chemicals or fuels is, is what is needed.
0: Okay, so I wanna go back to talking about um, some of our plastics, some of the US's plastic being shipped out of the country. In 2018, that changed, so what happened?
1: So in 2018, um, China passed a new policy known as National Sword, and this policy imported or banned the imports of most plastics and other recyclable materials. So now the U.S. had you know an abundance of waste plastics that they needed to get rid of, and China was no longer accepting them. So then they started sending them to other countries that could handle it, but then those countries quickly became saturated, and mismanagement of those plastic waste uh, make made the plastics end up in the oceans. And to just get an idea, or to help you visualize, you know, how much of these plastics are in the oceans, um, the there's a there's a area of the ocean which is called the great pacific garbage patch so this is off the coast of california and this garbage patch is actually the size or twice the size of texas so if you can imagine two texas floating out in the middle of the pacific ocean uh, as waste plastics that's a that's a pretty significant amount
0: that's a depressing image how did the waste end up in the garbage patch
1: so again, it, it comes down to mismanagement by some of the countries where we've been shipping these mix uh, these waste plastics. Um, you know, they they're able to purchase these plastics plastics from the United States at a low cost, and then if they can recycle them, they 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 stand to have uh, to make profit. Uh, however, most of these places end up; they're actually third world countries. They have a difficult time even receiving the material, uh, much less sorting it and so as a result, they have piles and piles of waste plastics that ultimately just end up either being washed in the ocean or, or sometimes even worse, they'll burn them as a heat source, which actually is a, it causes other environmental issues with air pollution.
0: So they were buying our waste plastic in, in bulk, hoping to make a profit. And that doesn't always work out. So then they have to, they get rid of the plastic piles any way they can. And a lot of that ends up in our oceans. So this system obviously is broken. It's not working. In 2018, there was a a big change. As you mentioned, um, these countries were no longer accepting our waste plastic. So at that time, your team had a great solution to handle the overflow of plastic waste. Tell us about what you guys did.
1: Yeah, so I mean we've had a long history of working with our clients doing pilot plant and process development work in with technologies that are in different areas of pyrolysis so we've we've done a lot of pyrolysis on things like heavy oil, uh, coal, uh, all type of biomass and that ex- so it was a natural transition for for industry and for us to to look at uh, what opportunities this pyrolysis process had to convert waste plastics into you know pyrolysis oils. and these pyrolysis oils they can then be used as all, all, as a feedstock for all kinds of different things to produce chemicals or or make fuels directly.
0: So let's talk about pyrolysis. What is it? How do you describe that process?
1: So pyrolysis is uh, it's a very old technology. In fact, um, you know some of the ancient Egyptians used to use it to extract methanol from wood for uh, for embalming. So it's been around for a very long time and basically it uses high temperature and inert atmospheres so you don't have air or oxygen around and the when you apply high heat in an inert environment it allows you to break down the organic material into their more basic molecules um, so more recently something known as fast pyrolysis has, has been kind of the go-to technology for converting biomass into bio-oils And uh, that's the same type of thing that can be used for for plastics. Um, And I think one of the keys for pyrolysis and and the plastics in this technology in general is the ability to handle the mixed plastics like we talked about so that you don't have to have a sorting facility or you don't have to spend a lot of effort upfront sorting the material. Um, And the pyrolysis process is kind of like a garbage can, where it can just take all kinds of different materials and, and convert them into useful products in the end.
0: How does it convert? Because it, is it, is it a burning process?
1: Yeah. So again, it, so pyrolysis is traditionally done in an, in an inert environment. So that means there is no air or oxygen around. So we can't, uh, so the air or oxygen is what would cause any type of burning. Um, so it's an oxygen free environment. So there's no, so you don't actually burn it. Um, it's just, you literally are just heating it su- to such high temperatures that the molecules are forced to break down into smaller molecules um, that can be used for other applications.
0: So, as you said, pyrolysis has been used; it's it's a very old technology. But is the practice of using it for plastics new?
1: Um, so yes, that, I mean that's and that's the natural shift that we've seen. You know, is that many of our clients who had pyrolysis processes are now looking at how they can be adapted for plastics. Um, And it it makes a lot of sense, I think. It's one of the probably the more robust technologies. There's not a a whole lot of commercialized, large scale, industrial scale pyrolysis processes out there. But that's something I think that we're going to see in the near future is uh, a lot more of these pyrolysis plants going online.
0: Okay, so you get a huge pile of plastic. It's mixed plastics. You are able to is are you putting it in a bin or a room or where do you put it? Can you walk us through the actual process of, you know, starting with a big pile of plastic and then what the end result is and how you get there?
1: Sure, so typically the 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 pile of plastics would go through some type of uh, pretreatment process and in particular here you would it would probably be shredded so that you have smaller particles of plastics and then the smaller particles of plastics would then be fed into what we would call like a pyrolysis reactor Um, this is not a trivial thing in itself because again the mixed plastics have many different types of of properties when it comes to things like viscosities and uh, melt points and things like that Um, but once you get the the plastics fed. Once you have the shredded plastics, you put them into some type of feeding device, and then you feed them into this pyrolysis reactor. The pyrolysis reactor is is going to be high temperature, anywhere from 500, maybe 700 degrees Celsius, and uh, these plastics will then go into this reactor where they'll contact. Typically, we use some kind of heat transfer um, media, like uh, sand, is pretty common. Um, so these plastics will then contact the surfaces of these these hot particles, and that's where the pyrolysis will will begin to happen. Where the the material will initially melt, and then there's such a high heat in there that the the, the chemical bonds will then start breaking between these these molecules, and you'll start producing smaller molecules. Um, and then uh, and then as you produce those molecules, they come out over out you know, out the top of the reactor. And that can be con- those products can be condensed and used for, like we said, to fuels or chemicals. Um, there's also another byproduct that typically forms in pyrolysis, and that is the heavier molecules will uh, tend to polymerize or, or, or form coke particles or carbon poly- particles. And what's interesting about pyrolysis, and in particular using circulating fluidized beds in pyrolysis, is that um, those coke particles can be circulated to a regenerator. And the regenerator will, will will have air, so the pyrolysis is, is an inert environment. The regenerator is an air environment, and the air will burn the coke, which then actually adds energy to the process that can be used um, again in the pyrolysis portion. So, in essence, you know pyrolysis typically has uh, almost its own fuel source. Uh, you know it varies depending on the type of material you're feeding. Uh, so you may have to supplement the regenerator with other fuel but but at least one of the byproducts of the pyrolysis is something that can be used directly in the process for heat energy
0: so the pyrolysis process can kind of as you said power itself which is neat but the um particles that are not used for that are turned into an oil you've explained to me or can you tell us about you know what 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 are you actually getting out of the process like what do you see when it's finished?
1: Sure. So, so once the plastics turn into their basic components, um, those components can serve as a building block for many different types of products. The, the The byproduct I already mentioned the carbon, but some of the liquid products are what may be called pi gas or pyrolysis gas. This is very similar to like a gasoline or naphtha type material, um, at least boiling point range wise. Uh, but other than that, the the heavier Components within these pyrolysis oils we call pyrolysis oil, and um, and those can be further fractionated. So you can you can take pieces of them uh, depending on what particular components or chemicals you're interested in. Um, In some cases, the pyrolysis oils can be used for something known as naphtha crackers. So a naphtha cracker, there's many of them online in the United States and throughout the world, and they are used to crack these lower boiling point hydrocarbons into ethylene and propylene, and then the ethylene and propylene are your basic building blocks for plastics. So that's traditionally how plastics are formed. So you could take the plastics and do the pyrolysis process, then feed some of those pyrolysis oils into a naphtha cracker, which will then take the, the plastics you started with and convert them back into the basic building blocks used to make plastics, which make the plastics again. So, in essence, you're chemically recycling the the plastics. Well, not in essence, you are chemically recycling the plastics, and um, so uh, so that kind of makes the whole process cyclic, which is kind of what the world is after right now, or the at least uh, industry is kind of looking at. There, there's a lot of buzzwords around this cyclic plastic processing, and um, the idea there is you, you have plastics, you use them then you reuse them to make more plastics. So the net result is you don't add any new plastics to the environment. Um, so the oils also, there's there's more you can do with some of the oils. Um, right now in industry, we're seeing a lot more uh, what we call co-processing, in particular bio-oils. Um, some states that have carbon credits and things like that, they'll use these, um, uh, these pyrolysis oils from biomass and they'll co-process them so they'll just mix them with conventional feedstocks to to refinery unit operations things like FCC units and they'll produce gasoline diesel and stuff like that so these plastic paralysis oils could be used for that as well Um, and then there are actually some some products of paralysis that are very common uh, things like benzene toluene xylene so some companies are looking at how they can maximize production of those chemicals which are also used in plastic production, but in other industries as well. So so the Pyrosis Oil as a whole has a very large slate of, of chemicals, and, and many of our clients are looking at, at ways of trying to produce spe- specific high-value products.
0: And you are now helping plastics companies implement this recycling process. So right now, four out of ten of the largest plastics companies in the world are seeking your input. How are you guiding them?
1: The goal, I think, for most of our clients is to get to a commercialized process. Um, most of our clients come to us with uh, robust fundamental data that provides like the basis for producing larger scale tests. Um, or they're trying to take basic processing steps that they've done independently and put them all together into a working process. And that's typically what we do. And we call that kind of the pilot scale which is where we can produce like half a drum to several drums of a product. Um, and we, so having done a lot of paralysis work, you know, we get to use our team's know-how and experience with things like heavy oil residuum, um, and some polymer ec- expertise as well. And we combine all that to, to help our clients further advance their technology. But as a whole, You know, SWRI has several areas of expertise um, from AI and potential plastic sorting technologies uh, to, I mentioned, our our polymer chemists helping us find ways to evaluate the feedstock to a pyrolysis unit because, as we mentioned, you know, the the key here is that we're using mixed plastics, so we're avoiding a lot of the upfront sorting steps. But what that means is that you also have a, a feedstock that is potentially changing you know, as the, the different variety of plastics are, are added and taken away. And that, that can affect your final product. So so trying to understand that is, is another big area for, for plastics recycling right now.
0: Can you define feedstock for us? What does that mean?
1: So, I mean, feedstock for us, it, it, it means um, anything that, you, well, it's just whatever we're putting into a reactor, I guess, for, uh, for us. Um, so feedstock could be liquid, could be solid could be biomass could be so um so very simple terms it's just whatever you're feeding into your reactor
0: i get it okay the goal of this process is obviously to help the environment to get rid of all this plastic waste being thrown in oceans harming wildlife so how is this technique benefiting the environment as a whole what do you see as the big impact here
1: so the biggest impact, I think, is to try and remove, you know, a lot of these waste plastics from from the the process of being either landfilled or shipped to other countries. So, uh, so again, you know, with, with pyrolysis being the most amenable to a varying feedstock uh, with, of mixed plastics, uh, it's probably the most uh, – uh, we could take most of the surplus – the current surplus of waste plastics – that have either nowhere to go, or they're going to end up in landfill, and actually turn those back into to more plastics or other useful uh, chemicals or fuels. Um, so in in the end, again, it's all about reducing the net outflow of waste plastics, so that uh, so we can reduce the environmental concerns that the plastics are causing.
0: So instead of growing landfills long term, do you see more of these? Plastics recycling, these pyrolysis facilities popping up around the country.
1: Definitely, I think that's uh, that we'll definitely see you know a, a potentially a huge growth in these type of processes uh, throughout the United States, but also in other countries as well. Um, I know we haven't touched on it, but there's some regulatory things that in other countries that are really causing uh, people to or industry to make. Uh, make changes to, to how they process the plastics.
0: So these pyrolysis facilities themselves do cause some emissions. Is that concerning or harmful?
1: Right. So the, the plastic pyrolysis process, you know, it, it does need to be industrial scale. So that means it's going to require a lot of energy, um, to break down these plastics into their basic chemicals. And because of that, um, yeah, there's going to be some environmental concerns with emissions and things like that. But there is a, a recent report that came out uh, by Good Company uh, that did show that uh, pyrolysis technologies uh, for waste plastics would uh, would not produce any kind of em- em- environmental issues with regard to the current regulated emissions uh, for things that are known as CAP and HAP, which is uh, criteria air pollutants or hazardous air pollutants. So that is very promising because essentially, if you build more of these pyrolysis plants for plastic recycling, uh, and you, can put, you put conventional environmental controls on these things, there's really no, um, no concerns about uh, regulated emissions.
0: So the benefits to the environment far outweigh any harm that potential emissions could cause. At this point, the emissions are not a concern.
1: Well, that's right. I mean, at least based on this first report we've seen from, from good company, but yes.
0: Okay, so um, I want to go to a question now. We did talk about a little bit at the beginning, um, and it is, it, as I said, it is disappointing, but many of us already recycle plastics, and we collect them and put them out on the curb. Um, how is your process different, and is it better?
1: So, yeah, so I guess like we mentioned, you know, a lot of the, the stuff that goes out in your recycle bin is mechanically recycled. That means that, you know, it's gone to some type of sorting facility. They've put all the same types of plastics together and then they, they clean them and then they send those plastics somewhere where they just get melted and kind of put back into the, the plastic products. Um, so this process is is, um, is better in the sense that it can, it can eliminate the, the sorting step. There is concern about PVC or polyvinyl chloride, but that's uh, that's kind of already sorted out in in most cases. But so this process can take the mixed plastics, avoid the sorting part, um, and then not only that, it could be used to make more plastics. as was one option, but then it could also be used to supplement other markets depending on on the need. So you know, if fuel fuel prices somehow became you know higher then it could be more economical to to produce fuels from from waste plastics um, or certain chemical markets sometimes become in high demand you know, certain chemicals become in high demand due to production of something um, like you know for example during covid we had all these you know new pp materials that need to be made so there was a, a high demand for certain types of plastics and, and plastic components or chemicals that are used in plastic components so um so that that I guess that's um, like we mentioned the huge product slate that's produced from this pyrolysis oils it gives you the opportunity to apply it to to all types of different markets and industries so in whole it, it it's a, I think it's a it's a better solution to the conventional mechanical uh, recycling because it offers so many opportunities in different areas
0: Do you eventually see us putting our plastics out on the curbside in our bins on the curb and them going and those bins going to a pyrolysis facility at some point?
1: For sure. I think there's already companies working on that type of thing. And um, I think we'll definitely see more and more growth of that, uh, especially with the current administration and the way they're funding things for environmental issues. Uh, I think as more and more funding becomes available, then you'll see more uh, municipalities and states and and places uh, using pyrolysis as a a way of recycling the plastics.
0: So you mentioned the garbage patch in the Pacific, which sounds just sad and just awful. Um, So when you see pictures or you hear about these oceans being overrun with plastic waste and knowing you are helping to solve this problem now, how does that feel? That's got to be a good feeling.
1: Um. Well, I mean, (laughs) I would say that, you know, we tend to focus on the science and the engineering part of it all. So uh, actually when I see the oceans with tons of trash and plastic, I, I, it kind of makes me feel like we're doing too little too late, but, uh, but that's sometimes how we learn and and evolve. So, um, I think we at SWRI or I at least for sure, um, come into work every day excited about the opportunities to work on, on many different things. And I think, um, Our passion for what we do here at SWRI really aligns with our clients' objectives and goals. So um, that really helps us to advance their technologies and not only support their mission, but also uh, SWRI's mission in benefiting humanity. And
0: what have you enjoyed about this work and developing this technique? I imagine that there are many moments where it, it is fulfilling, even though you see what you're up against all this plastic waste in, in, in the environment, um, I'm sure there's gotta be moments where, um, you know, it just feels good to, to be helping.
1: Sure. I mean, yes. I mean, again, we tend to kind of focus on the science engineering part of it, but, um, but uh, yes, knowing that we have some impact on the environment is important. Um, having done pyrolysis type work for about 15 years now, it's, uh, the, really, the enjoyment I think for us comes for, or at least for me, comes from doing the work where we're always pushing the envelope on what's already being done. So even though pyrolysis technology has been around for a long time, you know the work we're doing is not just your conventional pyrolysis. You know we're looking at uh, better ways and better operating conditions or or better techniques to um, to improve the overall process so we can make it more efficient or make it able to handle. The varying feedstocks or produce specific chemicals. Um, so making new discoveries and finding ways to to help advance our client's technology is um, at least what drives me many of the days to come to work.
0: What do you consider the most compelling aspect of this technology?
1: So being able to handle the mixed plastics is very important. I think the sorting step in the current recycling process is what is really slowing things down with regard to being able to recycle more materials Um, but also and all that ties into the economics of the whole thing but um, so being able to process these mixed plastics I think is is what will be most compelling and we're we've seen examples you know in in biomass is another good example because if you have all this biomass material and you have it coming from different parts of the country and it, it may be different materials. You may have corn stover. You may have uh, something, uh, you know, switchgrass. And if you combine all these biomasses or even um, municipal solid waste type materials, uh, the, the feedstock is so varying that it's really hard to, to put it into a process and expect to get the same thing out. And I think that's kind of the challenge right now on pyrolysis is how, how do you tune these pyrolysis systems so you can get exactly what you want out? and that's kind of the holy grail of all this and uh and that's that's what we're helping our clients and and working on every day so
0: so what do you envision for the future of this practice we've talked about some of the things that could be um but do you see it having a major positive impact on the environment once all, all the processes are in place and and you know there are several facilities that are going and and, and accomplishing this
1: yeah, I think for sure. I think overall, the, you know, pyrolysis, like I said, will kind of be the go-to process for chemical recycling of plastics. And I think you'll see more and more commercial facilities going online in the future. Um, and I also mentioned, you know, how biomass and coal, uh, you know, there was a coal to liquids boom for a little while. And uh, these these things kind of laid the foundation for, the, for what we're doing now with, with plastics and pyrolysis. So there's, uh, there's many different, um, so there's lots of opportunity there.
0: So as Earth Day approaches, you know, many of us are thinking about ways that we can help protect the planet. Um, you know, you don't have to be a scientist or engineer to make a difference. So what is your advice for those of us who just want to make a difference in our day-to-day lives?
1: Yeah, so I think whether it's unlikely that your recycle bin that you set out every week will actually be recycled or not, Um, I don't think that matters. I think we should just continue to keep practicing, you know, recycling, positive recycling habits because the future will likely hold, um, solutions to, to to take advantage of those materials. I think we're seeing it also, even with, um, uh, with the, the organic waste that we're using. I mean, there's a lot of companies and and processes now looking at how to, to capitalize on those materials. So, so don't take for granted. Also, I think sometimes people take for granted all the plastics that are around them. Um, I think, you know, a majority of the items you come in contact with every day have plastics in them. So we're talking about something that's that's it's a huge part of our everyday life. Um, and once you understand how much plastics that we use in our everyday life, then I think you can better understand how important it is that we find a way to 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 recycle it or, or better use it, and you know I think it's just it's like most things you know every, this is such a huge problem, but every little bit will help. So as a consumer, you know besides the recycling of you know making sure you you do the recycling, uh, if you can afford it, you know support products that are also made from recycled plastics. I think that'll help drive drive everything uh, to eliminate this excess and surplus of waste plastics
0: for listeners who have heard your approach today and who like what they're hearing is there a way for us to contribute to this process now is there a way for us to give you our plastics to do something which you know sounds a little bit more environmentally friendly with do you accept um do you accept plastics right now <laughs> Will so, you take our plastic waste alloy <laughs> uh,
1: so we have we actually have some pilot plants uh, that we've used and and believe it or not one of our engineers actually collected a bunch of plastic bottles from people so everyone brought in their plastic bottles and and we work uh, the engineer worked to to melt them and and try to get them into one of these processes um so we have small scale capabilities right now so we could probably handle you know uh, we we couldn't handle everyone's plastics but i think in the near future you'll see uh you'll you'll definitely see the opportunity where you you can contribute your plastics to to something like these uh, waste plastic paralysis processes
0: That would be great. I think that's something we could all feel good about um, contributing to this process and yeah, what you guys are doing is just amazing the eliminating the sorting process and and really uh, opening this gateway for all plastics to be taken through the pyrolysis process turned into an oil and from there uh, becoming useful again. So that so much promise there and we look forward to hearing about what uh, comes of all this in the future and just such a great, great news for the environment. Thank you so much for all you're doing Aloy and for taking the time to tell us about it today.
1: Thank you Lisa, I appreciate the opportunity.
0: And that wraps up this episode of Technology Today. You can hear all of our episodes and see photos and complete transcripts at podcast.swri.org. Remember to share our podcast and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Want to see what else we're up to? Connect with Southwest Research Institute on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Check out the Technology Today magazine at technologytoday.swri.org. And now is a great time to become an SWRI problem solver. Visit our career page at swri.jobs. Ian McKinney and Brian Ortiz are the podcast audio engineers and editors. I am producer and host Lisa Pena. Thanks for listening.